Welcome to Daring Two, a podcast that finds out how CEOs and entrepreneurs navigate today's business world, the conventions they're breaking, the challenges they've faced, and the decisions that they've made. And lastly, just what makes them different. Well, I'm delighted today to have on my podcast, Gabrielle Hirschen, who is the CEO and co-founder of Huckletree. Um, I like, I understand you like to be called Gabby, so we're going to call you Gabby, that's easy for me as well. Um, I'm really, really excited to have you on the show because I think, you know, you're going to have um, some really interesting insights to share with our listeners. So, um, Gabby, welcome to the show. I mean, you are, um, I'm kind of in awe, really, to be honest, of you. Here you are having built um, a business raised um, Series A funding and several million pounds uh, with a co-founder in a space that when I first looked at it and I thought, hmm, this looks like co-working space. Isn't that like a WeWork or in the old days a Regis? But but actually it's not. It's something very different. So can you tell me a little bit more about why it's different? What's different about Huckletree from typical co-working spaces? Cool. And first of all, Rita, thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm equally as happy to be here. Um, So to tell you a little bit about Huckletree, and I guess to your question, how we are different from our our competitors, we, uh, when we launched Huckletree in 2014, it was very much with the premise that we wanted to be a workspace for the innovation ecosystem. In the UK at the time, there was um, this kind of entrepreneurial startup ecosystem that we felt was about to explode. And there were a few, but not very many workspaces catering specifically to them, supporting them, et cetera, bringing them together. That was what we were very passionate about. And so from the first day, we made it very clear that our members needed to be startups, scale-ups, venture capital funds, corporate innovation teams, ecosystem service providers, but that was our world. And and I think that has... um, seen us through and it's been a thread that has remained with us until today so all of our members are um are in that ecosystem so gabby i'm intrigued like you you know you created this workspace co-workspaces um probably ahead of your time as i said i i can recall when i lived in the states you know sort of using offices that were pretty kind of antiseptic if i think about where the world is today right now and and the workforce Many people are saying they don't really want to go back to work because they just don't like the feel of the workplaces anymore, that they're looking for something different. They're looking for some kind of connection and belonging. And, you know, I'm quite curious. Is it true that you create offices that can be anything anybody wants them to be? Well, I think that we're definitely um, creating an exciting and engaging workspace and, and, and certainly kind of post-COVID or coming out of COVID, that's what people people want. I think in order to kind of lure people away from working from home, which works for some people and not for everyone, it's really about creating an office experience that is top class, um, that offers, you know, so many benefits um, that it kind of makes working from home pale in comparison. So we are, um, we're very proud of our workspaces. We think we've designed them in a beautiful way, but I think more than that, it's really about the people that are in each space and the types of people that, you know, everybody coming in can meet and collaborate with. Um, And that's, you know, speaks to the other businesses in the spaces, but also to the Huckletree team members, to our ambassadors who are constantly popping in and out. Um, So I definitely think that, you know, Huckletree workspaces are are a really exciting place to be and hopefully worth, worth the commute. 
So, I mean, there must be something that you're clearly not just somebody that's kind of into real estate or properties, because if I if I sort of look at what you and your co-founder are trying to do, I mean, there's there's some deep connection there around bringing people together or creating something where individuals can grow their businesses and, and come from all walks of life and all kinds of businesses. Where does that come from? What, what's um, been it's really, that for you? Yeah, no, it's a really great question. I mean, um, I am quite geeky about real estate, first of all. I know it's like not the sexiest thing to say, but I do love real estate and I love real estate in big dynamic cities. And I think, um, you know, growing up in London and then I spent five years in New York actually working at a real estate company and it is very dynamic and a very exciting world. But yes, you've hit the nail on the head. Very passionate about um, about about building community and about bringing people together. And I think that you know, for me and my co-founder, will Andrew will give his own version of why that is so meaningful to him. For me, it is because I grew up in a very religious um, upbringing, where you know the weekends were for family and for the community, and it's been with me since, since then. And I've kind of seen firsthand how community is so important um, when you're going through something, um, something, you know, n- not fun, something negative, you know, having community around is so important in, in, in having that support, but also for the good times and just that feeling of, of it being about more than just you and about you playing your role in something bigger. So it's always been there with me and I'm, I'm definitely very, very passionate and, and very much a community person. I mean, um, that's clear to see as you look at the business. I mean, beyond sort of creating the space where people can go, I mean, you've really been putting a lot of effort and the team's been putting a lot of effort into actually giving these people access to networks, to coaches, to venture capitalists. I mean, that's that's a pretty cool um, concept. How have you been, I mean, clearly you must have people like climbing to be part of that, right? Like they must be knocking on your door to be to be part of that in this particular um, point in time. How are you getting people to want to be ambassadors and to work with your organisations and with, with and what are likely to be young entrepreneurs, maybe older entrepreneurs, who are really looking some guidance and help? Because it seems like creating that community space is is an add-on that you're providing for people. Is that right? Yeah, and I think we definitely recognize that our power, you know, our main advantage and the main benefit of of, of choosing to work at Huckletree versus going to any other office or, or shared workspace or, you know, you know, in 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 our market certainly is is the the power of our network. Um, you've kind of hit on our ambassadors there. So we have a network of 100 ambassadors from around the world who are um, entrepreneurs, investors or operators uh, and who really, you ask how I how we incentivize them to get involved. I think for them, it's for the love of giving back, supporting earlier stage businesses, supporting underrepresented founders, because we do a lot of work on, on that as well. Um, meeting new people, coming across new ideas and, and innovations. For the investors, you know, there's access to deal flow. So I think that bringing them on board is kind of a win-win for everyone, for all three parties, so to speak, us, our members and the ambassadors themselves. Um, And 
again, you know, it is it is about real estate. It is about creating these these beautiful spaces. And we definitely have ideas of where we want to take that in the future and how we want to push those boundaries. But it's more about the human element of, of really bringing humans in the same places and and seeing the magic that can happen when um, when different people that didn't know each other meet each other. So um, and we also have an investor program. So we we work with, you know, investment funds across across Europe also to kind of tailor uh, introductions between them and our members who might be fundraising. And those members might be very early stage or they might be much later stage scale businesses. Um, and I think that, you know, this this for us is where we see our value. The value of being a member of Huckletree is in is in our networks. Um I think also we focus from from very early days on and I touched upon kind of supporting underrepresented founders. We actually have an accelerator program that we've been running since 2017, um, which is for underrepresented founders within the sustainability space. And it's a totally pro bono uh, program. It's a 12 week program where we help them get ready to raise their seed funding round and we introduce them to investors and you know, for us, it was very clear, it became very clear at a certain point in time that we really wanted that program to be for underrepresented founders, because we can open doors for everyone, but actually opening doors for the people that, you know, maybe might not have had such easy access is, we felt much more, um, much more critical and, and a much greater value that we can contribute. So um, we're really proud of that. And, and I think, you know, because of that also, again, the ambassadors are, are keen to be involved. So, you know, I'm going to ask you the obvious question. We all get asked it, unfortunately, because we're both women. Um, we, you know, we probably have, um, I would say, a diverse background, family background. So we get asked it as well. I'm not going to be one that doesn't ask it. But we talk about sort of underrepresented sort of individuals and groups and being able to help them. How did you find the journey yourself? I mean, were you helped because your co-founder happens to be a man um, or you know, did you face the same challenges? Um, I, it was definitely helpful for me that I had a male co-founder, 100%. Um, it was actually a different co-founder in the beginning. Um, and we would kind of go to investment meetings. And I think if I didn't have him, I often think, God, I probably would never have raised the money. Um, a, because he was kind of introducing me to the people that would ultimately invest and and B, and, and perhaps, you know, even more so because... I just, I, there were so many meetings where as the woman in the room and, and actually then as an entrepreneur without a track record, I really wasn't spoken to or addressed much during those meetings. So I think, you know, you ask how the experience was for me. I'm I'm fortunate in that I managed to raise money and launch my business, but I definitely saw firsthand how, um, and this was only, you know, 2013, 2014, so eight, nine years ago. I definitely saw firsthand how um, the woman in the room can be can be treated. And, and I like to think that that has changed a lot over the last 10 years. Um, but the reality is, is that for many founders and I have other elements of diversity to, to, to me as well, as you as you as you hinted at there, you know, it's not as easy. It's not as easy as it might be for some people. And I think when you have this platform like we have with Huckletree, we really want to be able to support and influence that in the right direction. And how have you found the reaction to that? Do you find that, um, you know, people are very supportive of, of looking at the underrepresented groups or are you finding that, you know, venture funds and venture capitalists and, and other sort of, I would say, um, advisors are, you know, more akin to, to want to see the kind of the traditional 
you know, typical people that fit the kind of mould. Are, are you seeing a change um, in that process through the people that you're helping in that underrepresented group, do you think? Definitely. I think there's been a massive gear shift with regards to um, investors and um, and what their, you know, the diversity makeup of their portfolio, also of their teams as well, because we obviously know how important it is that if you want to invest in a diverse portfolio, you need to have a diverse decision-making team. Um, so I think, and I, you know, uh, 10 years ago, again, this whole concept of like diversity and tech, diversity in general, it was there, but we were really just kind of scratching on the surface. I think now it's become so embedded in our minds. Um, and, you know, my husband is an, is an investor and I, I kind of, you know, see how they're looking at it through the investment lens and realizing that, you know, what the, the impact that their uh, efforts and contributions can make. Um, and also, um, yeah, just seeing how, 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 how they've evolved in that as part of that process. I think it's, it's really incredible. I'm definitely seeing a huge shift, a huge amount more of, of, of mutual understanding that um, the way that it was before, which is that, you know, people who knew the, the the VCs and knew the investors would have access. And if you weren't that lucky, well, sorry, you know, door is closed kind of thing. I think that that mind that mindset is is kind of outdated now and and everybody's realizing that we all need to play our role. And you, I mean and and the business has spread clearly. I mean you started in the like you know in London, you spread out to a lot of the major cities. I mean, this clearly is a concept that has sort of global opportunity to it. I can't help but think you know, that there are many countries that could see some real benefit from this. I mean, you've taken something that I would say, you know, we were kind of tried to do maybe a little bit, but never really did. But actually, you've taken it way beyond that in terms of the kind of education programs that you're offering and um, the commitment that you are giving, um, both for the people that, that are actually, you know, who sign up to be part of and the space that they're working in, but but also in in what you're doing to grow economies. So, do you have ambitions to kind of conquer the world? What do you reckon? And definitely not to conquer the world. I think we have ambitions to start calculating the social value and the impact that we generate. Um, and whether we calculate that on a kind of per square, per square foot basis or just by looking at our communities and really understanding the, the economic and social impacts we've had. But we, our, our ambition is definitely to be able to calculate and then build on that. Um, and I think it's really key. And what, what, what is really interesting to see is that actually, whereas, you know, in previous years, that might have just been interesting statistic for uh, us and for us internally in the innovation ecosystem and, and on our team, actually now so many more industries are kind of catching on. So we do a lot of work, obviously, in the property industry. We're speaking with landlords and developers every day. And I think what we're seeing is that even for them, it's so important that they see that the workspace operators that they might bring into their building um, contribute to social value and can contribute to that within their building as well. So I think that's that's how we're looking at it. And by the way, forgive me if you hear some background noise. My two children have just come home. You know what? I think that's absolutely <laughs> fabulous because I, I, I was actually going to say, you know, what is so, um, like, I think so real and actually brilliant to have is, you know, here, here you are having a podcast, you know, running um, an extremely successful uh, business. 
you are a mother of two children. And sure, like, you know, you are multitasking and managing. And, and I think that's really important to, for people to sort of like listen and hear because, it, you know, it doesn't mean to say that, you know, you have to make a choice between one or the other um, and life goes on, right? So um, it, it's great to hear them in the background, to be honest. So I think... Uh, as long as they um, don't come up here and start screaming at me, which they might do and then I'll have to negotiate <laughs> They can come them. in and join the conversation. I'm, I'm sure they'll have something to add. Let's talk a little bit about sustainability because... You know, there are, there's a lot of, um, I would say, conversation going on about sustainability. It's becoming almost as, um, you know, uh, in the vernacular, as we used to talk about diversity. And as you've said, you know, people are becoming more aware of it in a very different way. I mean, you guys are doing something, again, which I would say is, is really kind of forward thinking around how you are looking at sustainability in ways that, you know, I wish more organizations were looking at it so can you tell me a little bit about this earthwise um event that you run because it it it's, looks pretty special definitely so earthrise i think um it it was it was born out of the pandemic and it was about us thinking what's the immediate impact that we can have um on you know from a sustainability perspective and we weren't opening any new locations because it was mid pandemic and if we were we would have said we want you know to 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 do the fit outs uh, according to some sustainability metric whether it's scar rating or or well or whatever it might be but we weren't and we really wanted to contribute to the conversation and and help make change and so again it came back to this concept of like you know network intelligence the people around us and how can we leverage our network to put on a really really interesting uh event around sustainability and so what we did it was may of 2021 and we put on a full day long program, fully virtual, of course, because it was COVID, uh, where we had about 80 speakers from around the world, people from the United Nations to Jimmy Chin uh, to um, uh, activists and entrepreneurs, politicians. I mean, it was really an incredible, incredible group of people. Lily Cole was our keynote speaker. And um, and we had four stages where throughout the day, there were different panel events and keynotes all around the world of sustainability. So at the same time as you might have had a group of people talking about sustainability in the fashion industry and how to you know evolve the fashion industry, industry into something more sustainable um, and somebody else talking about the digital future of fashion and how actually fashion is now going to be about buying digital assets and wearing them on our social and in the metaverse versus actually buying fashion and 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 wearing it in real life uh, you might have had somebody talking about rewilding or the oceans um, or sustainability in the FMCG industry. And we had reps from Tony's Chocoloni. And it was just a really incredible day of content and ideas. And it felt very positive and, um, and ambitious. And so off the back of that, we decided that we definitely want to do that again. So we're throwing it again in May 2022. So in a few months time this year. Um, it might we might even be able to have an element of it in real life in person which is which is really exciting yeah 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 yeah. we've got these spaces I mean we might as well use them for the events Um, but equally ambitious and I think the only thing that we're changing is is refining the um, the kind of theme so whereas last year it was very broad it was all about sustainability and that was really really incredible actually this year focusing it more on um, the areas that us as kind of you know citizens of like these global cities uh, are really impacted by so it's future cities it's mobility and transport it's um 
it's uh, the built environment and construction and prop tech and, and that kind of stuff. So we're really, really, really excited. And we are um, signing up some really exciting names. More on that to come soon. I think that sounds brilliant. I'm sure that you're going to have a lot of people that are going to be interested in that. So I can't help but thinking, you know, I do a lot of work with organizations at the moment and you know, we are seeing um, sort of organizations trying to come to terms with like, what what's happening like what's happening with my workforce like what's going on like why is it not how it was before we can all go back to work now it's you know can't we just carry on so we've forgotten about covid and whatever else it might have created in our minds but there are lots of organizations and leaders who are struggling right now um with disconnected people um you know we've seen massive resignations but i think individuals going like you know want to do something different I don't feel like I belong um I don't feel included uh, we're not really an inclusive culture what I mean it seems to me um to somebody on the outside that whatever you're creating from a cultural perspective sounds pretty inclusive that um because it's not just a workplace so what would you advise to organizations and corporations that have got you know, offices and buildings to kind of create the environment that that you've been able to create in these locations that is is connecting this ecosystem together really because it is about people sharing ideas it's about um, leveraging off people um, the stories tell that and um, on your website if you look up some of the businesses they say that what you, what would be your kind of like I guess messages or insights that you would give to leaders today I think um, I think that all of this starts internally with 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 the teams behind the businesses. So, for example, at Huckle Tree, we are really focused on um, creating opportunity within our employee base. We're a team of about 60 people at the moment. We were, I think, around 80 pre-COVID. We went down to about 40 at our lowest point during COVID. And we're now slowly but carefully ramping up. Um, We can't talk we we wouldn't have agency to talk about diversity and what you know the startups in our in our ecosystem can and should be doing um and not to say that we're perfect but you know we have put effort into this we we do think about this we are passionate about this um and i think a lot of it starts internally with you know the the people behind the businesses themselves and making sure that the team is has a diverse makeup. Um, it's something that we track at Huckletree on a on a quarterly basis. We track the diversity makeup of our team because, you know, at a small business like ours, a couple of people can leave, and that can actually dramatically impact your your diver your <clears throat> sorry your diversity uh, within the team. So we're constantly tracking it and monitoring it, making sure that we're on top of it, that we improve it and increase it, um, and you know, things that come into that, that come to top of mind are, you know, when you have a hiring process, often in businesses that are rapid pace, you need to hire and you need to hire quickly and you need to fill a role. And, you know, the teams are under resource and everybody's crying out for that hire and you need to move it quickly because you have plans, but that can often come at the expense of diversity. So you can often find yourself at the end of the process where you've met three candidates that, you know, maybe don't bring so much diversity to the table. Um, and 
you know, the impulse would be to hire the best one. Whereas actually, if you stop and reflect and say, hold on, you know, we haven't seen uh, a candidate with a protected characteristic at the final stage of the interview process. So we need to find that person before we make sure that we've actually thought about this from the diverse, diversity lens and 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 um, given ourselves the opportunity to hire someone diverse to the team for this role, then um, you're kind of shooting yourselves in the foot. So, so it's always a balance between us about wanting to do things really quickly and hire and we're excited and we've got plans and we want to move fast, uh, but also saying, hold on, are we recruiting from the right places? Have we seen the right candidates um, from that perspective at, at final stage? So I think it's, that's really important. That That's always something that's on my mind. And then then um, obviously once once people are in the team, um, it's really important to um, have an inclusive environment and to make everybody feel like everybody's opinions are heard and, and equal. Um, and that's also something that, you know, we're not perfect in. I'm definitely not here to say that Huckleberry is perfect at anything, but but we're definitely focusing on we, and we definitely have the right intentions towards um and um, making sure that, you know, for example, that people that who might not necessarily themselves put themselves up for an opportunity um, get nudged in the right direction um, and, and are supported. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. You know, I definitely don't have all the answers, but I think that, um, you know, the biggest thing about, about inclusivity is just making sure that the team is, is diverse and that everybody feels heard. Well, and um, it sounds like you um, speak from a very sort of a humble and humility um, perspective, which is always great to hear in a leader. Um, but tell me, what's what's it been like for you? I mean, you know, did you like, wake up like as a young child going, you know, I'm going to be running my own business. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know I'm going to be running my own business um, and it's going to have something to do with lots of people. I mean, did, did you... Did you have that kind of foresight at a very early age or is this something that kind of just just happened? So this happened. This just happened. I um, I did go to business school, but when I left, I, I definitely wasn't thinking about if I wanted to start my own business. I think it was also just a couple of years pre everybody feeling empowered to kind of start their own startup. It was just back at the time where you know my peers were going to investment banks and and the, the kind of management consultancies, and that wasn't the route that I wanted to take. So I went to study film and acting in New York. Um, had a very unsuccessful run at a, an acting career, uh, but whilst I was in New York, I, I came across this concept of these co-working spaces that I hadn't seen yet in London. And they were there because they'd started to kind of sprout up, sprout up whilst I was living in, in America. But um, but I really just kind of stumbled across the concept and became really passionate about it because exactly as you say, you could be you know, working on a project or working on a business yourself, but yet working in an office with, you know, hundreds of other people. And I loved that. And it became about wanting to democratize the kind of Facebook and Google style of office spaces for everyone, whether, you know, you were, again, whether you were an entrepreneur, you know, working solo, or whether you were in a big team, you should have access to these amazing spaces and people and benefits and all the amenities of the space that like Facebook and Google offer. I think at one point we even, um, we even contemplated putting a ball pond meeting room in one of our spaces. And then my co-founder was like, Gabby, that's a ridiculous idea. It's not because they have it in Google. Does it mean that we're going to do it at Huckletree? But, um, but, you know, those are the kind of things that, that really inspired us. And, and, um, and, and funnily enough to your question around, you know, lots of people, I always say that 
you know, if I were life after Huckletree, what that might look like for me, like working at one of the big companies where there are lots of people is probably where I would naturally want to go because I do love being surrounded by people on a daily basis. So I think that's, that's probably why I've, I've really, you know, and I am so passionate about Huckletree. So Gabby, I had read about you and, um, you know, knew about your pursuit into acting. Do you think that the fact that it didn't work out, did that make you stronger when you started your own business in terms of like some of the challenges that you probably faced as you, as you set Huckleberry up, Huckletree up and like, you know, got it going? Do you think, do you think that experience has somehow shaped your leadership going forward? I think so. I was only thinking about this today because I was um, every Wednesday we have an all hands with our full team and it's, it's either myself or my co-founder who runs it. And actually the one that we did today was um, we were trialing a new format where anyone from the team could ask any question to the leadership team and we would answer it kind of in real time without preparing anything. And it's quite tricky to do that because you, um, you don't have your answers prepared and you have to kind of think on your, on your feet and give, give the right answers that offer the right balance of information, but not information overload and sharing, but not sharing details of things that may or may not come to fruition, managing expectations. Um, and, and then after that, we started touching upon, um, you know, the war in, in Ukraine and what's happening in Ukraine right now. And constantly, you know, there's this nag of, nagging thought of, am I saying the right thing? Am I, you know, uh, am I going to make any mistakes? Am I saying the right thing? Am I um, expressing myself in the right way? And then afterwards, just thinking, you know, you can't, you can't always be perfect and it can't always be right. But if you speak from the heart and if you say things with the right um, intentions and that are truthful, you're, you know, it's a pretty good starting point. Um, so that kind of, you know, brings me back to, I guess, my days. Well, I mean, I don't know if that, if it is, because I think, you know, also my leadership team are all really good at this and just kind of thinking on our feet, you know, they didn't come necessarily from a, a film background, but, but they have that. And I think that, Actually, I'm getting to the point where maybe it wasn't so much of my, you know, short brief stint in the film industry, but actually more of the last sort of, you know, nine, 10 years working at Huckletree that where I have developed myself and I have overcome my inhibitions and become a more confident person as a result of that um, versus anything before before Huckletree, which may have helped, but definitely not in the same way as the last 10 years. The last 10 years have been a really, really big learning curve for me. So let's talk about a little bit about that because I'm sure there are many, um, you know, men, women listening to this podcast going like, she's got to be kidding me, right? She just said like, you know, like that she wasn't necessarily confident or, you know, maybe had some ambitions or, you know, isn't the woman that we're hearing on this podcast, like surely that's not true. But So share that a little bit, share some of that, like what, you know, how you've kind of... Um, dealt with that like how have you grown that confidence how have you become comfortable with with the capabilities that you have and and actually you know can value the fact that you're good at what you do it's a fair question I mean I um I think I've gone through like like kind of phases of this in my life as as a a child um and somebody at, at sort of secondary school I was very very shy and then I went to university and I loved the environment and I felt very 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 comfortable and confident in the environment and I, I wasn't shy at all and then um and then when I started Huckletree I think I felt probably a little bit out of my depth to be perfectly honest and I felt like 
you know, as we were talking about before, I'm this woman in business. I don't have a track record. I'm going out trying to raise money. I actually have no idea how to do this or what should come next in the process or how I'm actually eventually going to get this business off the ground. And I remember at the time really leaning on my now husband and my brother um, who, you know, to guide me through the process and to say, okay, okay, help me. I, you know, I don't, I don't understand what, what should I do? How can I, meet investors? What, how can I find them? Where do I find them? What do I even need to kind of go and see them? And I was very lucky that I had that support system in them around me. Um, and then when we launched Huckle Tree, again, you know, the early days were okay because we launched with a very small space and it was myself and one other person. And then all of a sudden we grew and I felt out of my depth again um, and kind of constantly questioning um, if what I was doing was right, but then also trying, you know, uh, optically to have this bravado of like, I'm doing a good job and and whatnot. And I think now I'm finally at a point where I'm not going to be good at everything. I don't need to pretend that I'm good at everything. I don't need to pretend that I know everything. I know what I am good at. um, And, and that's enough. And I also know where my development um, areas are and I'm very happy to be vocal about them. And I don't, you know, I don't need to feel like I need to pretend to anyone that I've got it all kind of sorted. So I guess I'm, I'm I'm at a place now of like finally feeling confident in the knowledge that I don't know everything, if that makes sense. Um, that's a great, I think that's a great sort of insight for the listeners that are listening about, um, you know, as you've expressed, it's about, you know, not, you know, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, right? But you don't have to know it all. What you have to do is, to, as you said, it's kind of like know what, what you do know and what you don't know um, and leverage that. And I think this is the decade um, we, where we will see, um, leaders needing that kind of capability of not being um, knowing everything um, to be really important as we lead, you know, people, organisations, um, businesses uh, through the next decade and beyond. So I think it's a really good and um, interesting piece of insight um, for listeners to take away, especially those that might be doubting um, themselves as they're thinking about starting their businesses or, you know, facing some challenges right now. Hundred percent, and I think you know uh, there is always, and actually, this feeds a lot into kind of initial thoughts around the accelerator program when we launched it in 2017. Which is, you know, shouldn't everybody have that support group? And I know we touched on the kind of access to investors, but actually, in the beginning, it's it's just about having a support group that can help you help you understand what comes next and how to plan for that and how to prepare, um, and. A lot of people don't have access to that. And also, you know, that not knowing stage of like, you know, for me, from having the concept of Huckle to went to when we actually launched, it was a period of, of like three years. I think I had the had the idea in 2011 and then we actually finally launched in 2014. But it doesn't have to take that long. And I think that with the right groups and the right knowledge sharing around, um, things can be things can happen faster and, and founders now can have, you know, access to information that that. I would hope would make them much more confident than I was back at the time. So definitely kind of, you know, something that a way that we're thinking of, you know, how we can support founders in the ecosystem. Well, I'm really interested to see sort of how the business has sort of like um, grown and progressed, you know, from a place where you would bring people together so that they could, you know, be creative and sort of start their businesses to kind of offering all of these um, sort of, add on support systems and networks that is actually helping them not only to grow personally, but, but their businesses. And I think the thing that sort of blew me away the most was um, uh, 
the work that you're actually doing with with young um, early career individuals within organizations and and helping them to sort of think through their um, careers independently of how they might be um, within their their own organizations tell me about that because that that I I thought was very interesting and really innovative in terms of this um, the work that you're doing which you know it is linked to um, some of the accelerated programs and yeah other programs that you're doing so just share a little bit with that because I can think of so many young people. And I'm like, oh my god, like they'd be like they'd be all over this right now. Um, yeah, no, and and that was another thing that came out of lockdown was like this need for like networks and support groups and like proper learning opportunities. And I think so much of our focus has and has always been on on the founders behind the business and and whatnot because you know, we are a business where, with lots of entrepreneurial people within, but um, actually we thought, hold on, there are so many people behind these businesses that also crave development. And, and maybe sometimes the founders are too busy, you know, dealing with COVID and trying to survive or just growing their business to really think through the learning and the development of each of their team members, especially when you're in a kind of early stage of the business. So we uh, developed this program called the Hundreds Club, which basically uh, runs four tracks a year, each track around a different domain. So we've done marketing, we've done sales, we're doing digital product right now, we've just done people and culture. And it brings together 25 people in that domain and gives them like eight weeks worth of mentoring, workshops, um, peer support group in each other where they can all meet each other and actually kind of, you know, brainstorm obstacles as they go through their careers together. Um, and it's been probably our most successful educational product to date, which is amazing and, and kind of speaks to the fact that, you know, sometimes it's actually not the people that you obviously think need, you know, the support that that, that really do. So, so that's been that's been great. And just to touch on your, you know, you were asking there earlier, kind of curious to hear how Huckletree has grown over over time. So I think, you know, when I look back and I start thinking about the, our first small space in Clerkenwell in London, where we had 40 members and we were two team members, we're now a team of 60 people, um, incredible talent within the team, people that I'm really lucky to work alongside on a daily basis. Um, and we have six hubs across London, Manchester and Dublin, with just under 200,000 square feet and about 3000 members across our hubs. So we are, um, we're really, we're really proud of where we've come to, but we also feel like we have a lot of growth to come um, over the next few years. So really looking forward to the next few years also. Well, I'm looking forward to the growth of the next few years, because I think there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, people that kind of graduate from um, the networks that they create to um, create momentum to create, to create great businesses going forward that are, you know, making an impact in the right ways. And I, I am, um, you know, I keep looking at all the offices that you've got around London and I can't decide which one I want to go to because they all sound like really interesting because they've all got a different theme to them. So I, my mind goes like, oh, wouldn't that be interesting to go and see what, you know, the kind of people that are there and what can I learn from them? So um, I think getting the word out about Huckletree is, is really important So because I think, you um, it is truly unique and really interesting, the kind of work that you're doing. So, you know, I'd love to talk to you more, but um, we are coming close to time. But before we end there, are, you know, two things I would like to ask you. Uh, the first one is, um, you know, what do you think is the next, you know, obviously you've got some great events coming up, um, but what can you do to help really spread the word about the work that you're 
um, doing in the organisation. So what would you encourage listeners to do? And then lastly, um, what's your daring team moment? What have you dared to do in the world, um, either personally or from business or something um, that you want to do um, that's important to you? I think I'll start with the last one. Um, the, the daring to, um, I mean, I've dared and had the audacity to try and run a business whilst, you know, having two children and being a full-time mom. I think that's pretty daring. I like to think that I put myself out of my comfort zone on a daily basis. Actually, I was in an interview with an incredible lady earlier today who was telling me, and we were interviewing her for a role that we're hiring for. I asked her a very similar question. I said, what's, what's the last thing that you did that put you out of your comfort zone? And she said, I do that every day. I'm a woman in business. I've got a baby at home. I'm trying to make it all work together. And I fully, fully, fully aligned myself to that. So I think that that's enough. Um, but I also jumped out of a plane in the past life and I'm pretty proud of that as well. I'm wow. not sure I would do that again now that I have children. Um, but I was a daredevil kind of pre having children. Um, in terms of your other questions, um, you might need to remind me what they were. So, I mean, how can, you, how can people find out more about Huckle Tree? How can you get more word out there about what you guys are doing? You know, how people that, that might see themselves either wanting to connect with other people might be in an underrepresented um, entrepreneur that wants to connect is looking for a workspace that offers this kind of opportunity, not just for a place to work, but for a, a sort of like a community really. What What's the best way for them to find out more about? I think our website, yeah, so our website has a lot of information about um, the work that we do, you know, all of the locations that you mentioned just there, but then also um, all of our different educational programs and the impact that we're having. Um, so website is definitely the best place to find, um, as you know, all the information. And then if anybody wants to get in touch, you know, we're always, um, we'd, we'd love to talk. So if it's, you know, through the website again, or through our socials, we're on, you know, all of the socials, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, you know, we'd, we'd love to chat and we're always looking to bring new, um, exciting, passionate people into our communities. That's great. Gabby, it's been great to talk to you. I mean, I think um, we'd love to have you back, I think, at some point, because I think there's a, there's a lot more to the journey of the, of the, the company and the organisation to come. And I look forward to, to hearing how you progress. So thank you very much. Um, for being on the show today. Um, oh, Rita, thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's been, it's been wonderful chatting. Getting, I, haven't, I haven't got to know you as much as I would have liked to, but thank you again for bringing me on and, and it's been nice chatting with you. That's great. You're welcome. And if you want to know more about Dare Worldwide, you can find us on our website, www.dareworldwide.com. Check out our latest report. It's all about inclusivity, but not how you think about inclusivity but how we kind of bring all of those strands of sustainability, inclusivity, diversity and connection back into the workplace. Um, if you're interested, do check out the report. Um, thank you for listening. If you liked it, please make sure that you um, um, rate it on podcasts. And it's been great having you, Gavin. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Enjoyed the conversation? Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes of Daring 2. Also, check out our website, dareworldwide.com, for some great resources around business in general, leadership, and how to bring about change. See you next time.